the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Hi, I'm Eric Galindo Training Director for the FSI Training School For individuals and businesses we offer certification courses in CPR and First Aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, have fun, and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. All right, good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us tonight. Could not be happier to be with you. And we are looking forward to another 90 minutes of great time in the scriptures. 
I've got the questions right here in my hot little hands, and we're going to put them out in a moment. You'll be able to call in at 340-9585. We can talk about these great passages of Scripture, uh, particularly the questions that I'm going to ask you come out of our Bible readings this past week. We read the final three chapters, 64, 65, and 66, the final three chapters of the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, and we read the first 13 chapters of the book of Jeremiah. So I'll be asking you questions from those two books, Isaiah and Jeremiah, and also uh, Psalms 109 through Psalm 113. That's part of our Bible reading program we call the Wisdom and Worship Segment. We go through the Psalms and the Proverbs every year as well. And then we read the other longer books, the narrative books. Well, I can't say particularly longer because they'll get much longer than the book of the Psalms uh, with their, what is it, 150 Psalms, 150 chapters in the Psalms. So we um, we make our way through the Psalms and the Proverbs, though, separately, uh, using them as a kind of a, a time of worship and meditation as we come into the reading of the Scriptures. But we read all of the other books from uh, beginning to end, every verse, every chapter, every book of the Bible, everything in its context. You can hear it. You can be blessed by it, encouraged by it as a believer, as a follower of Yeshua, the Messiah. And Or if you're someone who is uh, still in the valley of decision, maybe you're still wondering and thinking about uh, the place that you're going to give to the Creator, to God in your life. Maybe you're wondering and thinking and seeking and trying to determine what is the truth? who, What is God really like? What is the Creator like? Uh, has He spoken? Has He acted? Has He revealed Himself to us? Uh, or, or do we have only nature to go on? The things around us, the sun, the moon, the stars, the uh, the skies, the seasons, and uh, the nature of man ourselves looking within us and so on. Uh, what, what is called a, a general revelation that the Creator has left traces and tracks of His character and uh, um, certain signals about His uh uh, his nature and about his plan for us, his love for humanity, his care for us. And so uh, uh, there you have a general revelation. But uh, we believe, of course, that, that God has acted. God has spoken. He has stepped into time and space. He has uh, revealed himself. He has spoken to individual human beings and family groups and people groups. And he has revealed himself through word and through action. Uh, and has caused a record of that revelation to be laid down. He uh, prophets and believers from all those different eras in the Old Testament, starting way, way, way back when in the times of uh, Moses and so on, uh, he stirred and moved within the heart of men who had experienced him, to whom he had spoken, with whom uh, he had acted uh, and, and involved himself in their lives, he caused them, using their own language, their own vocabulary, their own personalities, they didn't go into a catatonic state, into a robotic state, and, and sort of uh, write out God taking their hand and making them write the words. They used their own life experience and their own personalities and their own intelligence, vocabularies, and so on, and they wrote out accurately 
uh, the and clearly a description of their experiences with God, what he had spoken to them, told them, the messages that he gave them. And we have that record uh, accurately preserved for us. Again, a great, great miracle of God. But he has done that, and we can th- that we can study uh, scientifically. That we can look at the books of uh, Moses, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We we have these documents. We have the some of the older manuscripts as they've come to us. We can check them out. We can analyze. We can compare uh, document with document, and we can determine: is this from God? Is this faithfully? Recorded is this faithfully uh, preserved for us and passed, transmitted to us, and we can make that determination as we look into the scriptures and uh, then determine that if this message is truly uh, comes in, in, in from the true and living God, is it in truly an inspired, God-breathed document? And it's my uh, it's my conviction. And after years of study and analysis and looking very seriously uh, for my own personal life and my own personal understanding of God, and then through now 45 years of ministry uh, in, in here in about 35, 40 countries of the world, uh, as I've ministered to people and, and talked with people and heard from people from so many different backgrounds and experiences, uh, more and more I'm convinced that God indeed has spoken he has left us this wonderful treasure, this beautiful treasure uh, of a revelation of himself. As we read these stories in the Hebrew Scriptures, as we read the stories of uh, David and Goliath and Jonah and the great fish and Daniel and the lion's den and the Adam and Eve and Moses and the people of Israel and, and uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and going down into Egypt and God taking them out of Egypt, all of these great, wonderful stories that make up the narrative, the background, the historical narrative of the Old Testament as we see God dealing with this people group and using them as an instrument of revelation for all the peoples, all the nation groups, people groups of the world. Uh, it just It's just an astounding, an astounding miracle, this book we call the Bible. Uh, these 39 chapters of the what we call the Old Testament, 27 in the New, after the coming of Messiah, Yeshua, uh, Jesus of Nazareth came and he fulfilled all of those over 300 prophecies that were given to us years, decades, centuries in advance, he fulfilled each and every one of them perfectly uh, in de- great details of his life and his ministry. And uh, we can see, we can know there is clear, solid, very convincing evidence uh, for not only the reliability, the faithfulness and reliability of the scriptures uh, historically and 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 spiritually, but also uh, based on those scriptures, the reliability of the of the claims of Jesus Yeshua, that he indeed was that long-awaited, promised Redeemer, Savior, Messiah, who came to carry out the work, the ultimate work of redemption. Uh, uh, he who knew no sin became sin for us, and because of that. Uh, millions and millions, uh, not only uh, from the Jewish people group, from the ancestry of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but from the spiritual ancestry of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Millions and millions of of Gentiles also, having heard that message and seen the evidence, uh, have come into that relationship 
with the true and living God and are experiencing the blessings, experiencing the, the joy, the release, the freedom, the delight uh, that comes, the adventure that comes from walking through life in a confident and secure relationship with the Creator Himself. What what a an incredible privilege we have. And I'm I've just fallen in love with this book. I, I uh from very young, uh, as a little boy growing up in an orphanage, uh I I without mom and dad and so on, I was placed in a home for homeless and delinquent boys at age five and came to hear the message of the scriptures at age eight and uh, and and therefore, uh, there at this home, they taught us the scriptures, and I understood the Bible message. And I made that decision at the very tender age of eight to trust Christ and begin this wonderful journey, this journey of a lifetime, walking through life in a relationship with God Himself. And it has been an incredible adventure. Uh, as I said, the the many many years of ministry and the opportunities to influence and speak and share the message with uh, thousands and thousands of men and women across the na- across the world around the world actually it's just uh it's an amazing um an amazing opportunity an amazing joy and delight that I have and one of the great delights is visiting with you over the last uh, almost 15 years now we've been reading through that great book every every weeknight monday through friday giving you a chance unique opportunity actually i don't believe there is another city in the nation possibly in the whole world where the entire Bible, in a good, clear, modern version of the Scriptures, is being read over the city each and every week. You can join us Monday through Friday at this great station, and you can hear 15 to 20-minute reading from the Scriptures every weeknight, the entire Bible every year. So anyway, I've gotten a little waxing, a little eloquent there and getting a little long-winded. Let me get into some of our questions tonight. These questions come from Psalms I reading from the Psalms 109 through 113 let me uh give you let's see if I can give you a good question from the Psalms um uh, Jesus quoted Psalm 110 verse 1 shall I read that to you Psalm 110 Verse 1, during his life and ministry on planet Earth, the Messiah, uh, about three to three and a half years of ministry, uh, he, of course, was full of the scriptures. He he spoke the scriptures. He taught the scriptures. He was uh, a rabbi, a teacher of the scriptures. And, and if you read the sermons uh, and the uh, stories, the parables that Jesus told and his interaction with the people of his era... Over and over again, you'll see Scripture, Scripture, Scripture. Uh, He is a man who is steeped in the Word of God. He knew the Scriptures so well. Now, here is Psalm 110, verse 1. Um, Jesus quoted this passage. The Lord said to my Lord, this is a Psalm of David. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. The Lord will extend your powerful kingdom from Jerusalem. You will rule over your enemies. When you go to war, your people will serve you willingly. You are arrayed in holy garments, and your strength will be renewed each day like the morning dew. 
The Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The Lord stands at your right hand to protect you. He will strike down many kings when his anger uh, erupts. He will punish the nations and fill their lands with corpses. He will shatter heads over the whole earth. Uh, but he himself will be refreshed from brooks along the way. He will be victorious. So we have this passage in Psalm 110, long considered, even before the time of Jesus, even in the Hebrew Scriptures, long considered to be a messianic psalm. Uh, it presents the credentials for the Messiah. Uh, David is speaking, the Lord said to my Lord, and he speaks of Jesus, Yeshua, as being his Lord, uh, which is very interesting because in most cases, the elder takes preeminence over the latter. Uh, in other words, the, the Jacob Israel has preeminence over the children of Israel and so on. Well, in this case, though, Jake, uh, David says that he speaks of Yeshua as the Messiah, as his Lord. And the promise there that the kingdoms of the world will be made his footstool. And, of course, that's very interesting in light of the temptations of Jesus in the New Testament where Satan tried to say to him, if you'll just do this meaningless little gesture, bow down and worship me here, nobody sees us. It's something done in secret. It won't really affect anything. If you're God, you're God. Nothing can change that. But if you'll do that, I'll make your job on earth. I'll make your messianic task the job of being the Messiah. I'll make it easier because I'll give to you the kingdoms of the world. Uh, so you don't have to go through the pain and suffering of trusting God and obeying God and going through the path of, of sacrifice and difficulty that would end, of course, as we know now, at uh, the wooden cross, a cross there on the outskirts of Jerusalem and his uh, a violent death that he would experience as a young man even. So Satan tried to tempt him out of that path of faith and trust and obedience to the Father uh, and, and give him an, an easier route. That was the nature of the temptations. and he. But what he was doing, he was offering Messiah something that God had already promised to Messiah, that he would make the, the nations his, his footstool. And, uh, but he was offering it painless, uh, without trouble, without sacrifice. And, of course, that was not the path that would purchase our redemption. Satan was trying to tempt Jesus not to sin. That was no, not so much the issue. But he was trying to tempt Messiah out of the role of Messiah. If he could get him to act, if he could get Jesus to act, to move, to speak uh, on his own initiative, on his own prerogative and authority uh, as God, uh, without faith and trust and obedience and submission to the Father, which Jesus did not have to do. He's co-equal with the Father. Uh, but he stayed under the mantle of faith and trust and submission so that he could be our redeemer, so that he could be our representative, our mediator, earn the right to be our uh, substitutionary atoning, uh, sh sh the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's an amazing thing, the story of the gospel and how God brought about uh, the redemptive plan. But I'm asking you a question from Psalm 100 and... Uh, 10, Jesus quoted Psalm 110, and he himself, Jesus himself, said that these, reverse, these verses referred to whom? To whom did Jesus say Psalm 110 referred? In other words, 
uh, what person was Psalm 110 about? Even though David had written the psalm many, many centuries before, who was the central character? Who was the theme uh, of the Psalm 110, according to Jesus himself? You can look if you want. In Matthew 22, verses 41 through 45, it was one of the more profound messages, one of the more profound teachings that Jesus gave um, about um, God and about the redemptive plan of God in the New Testament. Very, very uh, revealing. So answer that question. Jesus quoted Psalm 110 uh, in uh, in his ministry and life. So the question for you is, to whom did Jesus say those verses applied? Whom did those verses describe? Okay, let me give you another question from the Psalms. Um, in Psalm 112, there are 15 advantages or 15 blessings mentioned that come to those who fear God. Blessings that come to those who trust God and walk with God. Can you name two of those blessings? Two of the blessings that you have experienced because of trusting God. Now, not just is not free form. You just kind of calling in and tell me some blessing you've experienced. I want you to. I want to see you tie it to Psalm one hundred and twelve. Name uh, two of those blessings from Psalm 112. There are 15 of those blessings mentioned, or those advantages. Uh, Try to match your testimony to some verses in chapter 112 of the Psalms. All right? Now let's go to the book of Isaiah, the last three chapters we covered. By the way, the phone number is 340-9585, 340-9585. If you'd like to call in and answer those questions, we can send you a packet, an envelope with some uh, wonderful gift certificates and uh, some encouragement for your little family budget. If you just want to give a call and win the prize package, we'll send those out to you. So here's some questions from the Isaiah. Um, hmm. Nine times in the Old Testament. Actually, that's kind of interesting. Only nine times, I would almost say. Only nine times in the Old Testament, God is said to have a familial relationship with his people. Uh, Three of those times are in the book of Isaiah. God is said to be our what? Nine times in the Old Testament, God is said to have a familial, a family relationship with his people. Three times in the book of Isaiah, three of those nine times, God is said to be our what? And you find the answer in Isaiah. I'll give you those three instances in the book of Isaiah. Chapter 9, verse 6, chapter 63, verse 16, and chapter 64, verse 8. God describes himself as our referring to the people of God, that he is uh, in what relationship does he have to them in those in those passages? All right, then let's go to um, let's go to another verse in Isaiah. Let's go to chapter 
65. Chapter 65. Isaiah begins that chapter by saying, People who never before inquired about me are now asking about me. What people was this passage referring to? What people was God referring to when he said that people who never before inquired about me are now asking about me? All right, you can answer that question. Give me a call, 340-9585. That's the call-in line, and uh, no one's on the phone right now, so they're wide and clear if you want to call in and answer any of these questions. Or perhaps I would throw this open as well. If you have a question about the Scriptures, about the Word, then and you'd like to, or just a comment, something that's been a blessing to you, and you'd like to share it. Uh, we're all about the Scriptures, the Bible Live. That's the name of the program, and this is the quiz show. So uh, give us a call, 340-9585. Jacob, by the way, I should hurry and hasten to tell you that Jacob is out of town. He's taking a little bit of a, a time of rest this week. We have uh, a special guest coming up next week on Labor Day weekend, so uh, you can look forward to that. But Jacob is uh, out of pocket this evening, and uh, so you're just dealing with the soapster here. And we'll uh, put out the questions and hear your answers and your responses to these questions. Now let's go to the book of Jeremiah, which we just got started. We read the first 13 chapters of the book of Jeremiah. And really one of my favorite books, Isaiah and Jeremiah figure among my favorite books. And the basic reason is that, um, well, there's several but really the times in which Isaiah and Jeremiah ministered, the times in which they lived, the circumstances, the social uh, circumstances of their lives were so similar to the times in which we are living uh, here in the United States in the 21st century. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of chaos. Uh, the people of God, there's a, uh, there's a move away from God, there's a moving away from trusting in God and following God, and we've seen that in our nation as well. And so uh, these men ministered in, a, in very difficult, chaotic times, calling the people, calling on the people to, to repent, to turn away from their sin and their selfishness and turn back to the true and living God. So uh, there, there's something that we can identify with both Isaiah and Jeremiah. We'll come back in just a moment. I'll uh, give you some questions from the first 13 chapters of Jeremiah, give you a chance to call in and answer those. Please do not go away. We will be right back. Look forward to spending the next hour with you. It's Flash Time. A jump on your summer fun with Splashtown, San Antonio's favorite family water park, featuring 20 acres with 40 water slides, the half million gallon wave pool, the quarter mile long siesta del Rio, the ever famous dive in movies every Friday night, and more. Splashtown is just three minutes north of downtown on I 35 with plenty of free parking. For hours, rates or advanced discount tickets, surf on over to SplashtownSA.com. A new wave of fun at Splashtown. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. 
Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to thelaptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Express Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work and we had got our oil done before, it could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't expect to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831 Get your daily devotional, podcasts of your favorite programs, station and community events, and featured articles on a number of issues Christians need to know about, all in one place. KSLR.com. That's KSLR.com. But since we have this moment here at Evans Door, we should start knocking now. What are we waiting for? Let us pray. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. He is listening with love, and he wants to answer us, so let us pray. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when we feel the spirit moving, ding, dong, and If I can pop down this music a little bit, the Bob the Quiz Show. Uh, glad to have you aboard this evening. Hope you'll give us a call, 340-95 and answer, uh, 9585 and answer some of these questions for us. Uh, and uh, from the books of Isaiah and Jeremiah, from the Psalms. Here are some questions from the book of Isaiah. Uh, I've already given you from the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah started his prophetic ministry. Uh, and I can give you the year of that, by the way, if you'd like to have it. Jeremiah became a prophet in uh, 627 years before Christ. And it's a very remarkable beginning. He tells about it there in the first chapter of Jeremiah. And I'll ask you a question or two about it. But Jeremiah started his prophetic ministry in 627 B.C. It was during the reign of which king of Judah? Remember that uh, after the death of Solomon... You had Saul, then David, then the third king of Israel was Solomon. After Solomon's death, the kingdom divided. The ten tribes in the north 
uh, took off in on a different route, and they left uh, Benjamin and Judah in the south around Jerusalem as what we call refer to as Judah, and the northern tribes were called Israel, which makes it all the more confusing in some ways when you read the whole the Old Testament because there was this this word Israel is so very interesting. Maybe we can talk about that tonight. Uh, <clears throat> what does the Bible mean when you're reading the Bible and you see the word Israel? To what or to whom is it referring? And we can, uh, it, it, there are various uh, people groups, there are various things to which, or in individuals to which that name could refer. So um, we'll talk about that during the hour this evening. Jeremiah started his prophetic ministry during the reign of which king of Judah in the south? And you'll find the answer in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 2. During the 13th year of a certain king, one of our favorite kings, actually, that we talk about quite a bit. In fact, he is the king that is the motivation. He was part of the motivation for the Bible live radio program. Uh, this this young king, he was very young, only eight years old when he took the throne of Judah. Uh, Jeremiah started his prophetic ministry during the reign of of that young king of Judah. What was his name? Chapter 1, verse 2. Now, when called, when God called Jeremiah to the ministry to, to preach, to be a prophet, to be a preacher, what was Jeremiah's excuse for not being able to speak for God? Like, like Moses before him, uh, he was called on by God to, to, to minister in his name, to preach and to proclaim God's message to the people. And Jeremiah said, I can't do it. Moses' reason was because he said, I'm not a good speaker. What was Jeremiah's excuse for not being able to serve as a prophet for God, is for not being able to answer the call to uh, the prophetic ministry? Chapter 1, verse 6 records Jeremiah's excuse. What was it? Then what was the last year? I ask you, what was the first year of Jeremiah's ministry uh, in 627 B.C.? Who was the king? What was the last year and what was the major event of the culminating event, actually, of Jeremiah's ministry that took place in that last year of his ministry? All right. What was the last year and the major event of Jeremiah's ministry? Uh, so you should be able to know that. Look at chapter 1, verse 3, tells the event, at least. And it's the date is fairly well known because a lot of uh, this was a major biblical event uh, of the Old and actually of the New Testaments as well. It has relevance for both. So what was the event and what was the year that was Jeremiah's last, that signaled and, and marked Jeremiah's last year of ministry? Uh, let's go on now to uh, question number seven. God says that he is the living water. Does that sound familiar to you? Remember when uh, Messiah, uh, Yeshua, spoke about uh, living water? Very interesting, no? God says in uh, the book of Jeremiah that he is the living water and that Israel had made two terrible mistakes. In this case, Israel is talking about the those ten tribes in the north uh, that had broken away from uh, the, the, the larger kingdom of Israel. Israel had made 
two terrible mistakes. What were those mistakes? You'll read about them. They're listed very clearly in chapter 2, verse 13. God says he is the living water and that Israel had made two terrible mistakes. What were those mistakes? Chapter 2, verse 13 of the book of Jeremiah. Now, it's an open book quiz. That's why I'm giving you the passage, not only the question, but the uh, chapter and verse or verses where you can find the answer to the question. So if you're somewhere at home or near your Bible, or you have your iPhone, your smartphone, and you can uh, have a Bible uh, program or an app on your you on your phone, you can look it up. There's no problem at all. You can look these passages up and give us a call, 340-9585, 340-9585, and uh, you would be the first on the program tonight. Nobody there presently, so give me a call if you'd like. I'd love to hear your answer to these questions or any of your comments or thoughts about the Scriptures. Now, the focus of the Bible Live radio program is, in fact, the Scriptures. It's not about... Uh, soapy dollar kind of waxing eloquent and telling you my thoughts and my understanding and my interpretation. Yeah, I, I, I will speak. I will we'll share some commentary. Most of that, as you listen to the reading program during the week, is giving you the context of that week's reading. Tell you what's going on historically or at the time of that particular reading, uh, what's going, what's happening, where we are in the book that we might be reading together, where we are in the, in the, in the message of that book, so that when you listen to the passage, you're hearing it in its context, you're hearing it with the background understanding of the the historical, the social uh, context of that passage. Maybe a little bit about the author. Maybe a little bit about the author, something about the date and the time that would help you to understand the relevance of the Scripture. Who did you say we have on line one? All right, let's go and visit with Harold. Hi, Harold, what's going on? Hello, Soapy Dollar. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, my friend. Uh, you were about the hot dog days, hot days of summer are just about over. Maybe we're going to get into a little bit of a cooler uh, fall uh, schedule. So that's kind. I'm happy about that. I'm ready for some cool weather. Yes, I haven't called in a while. I thought you might have forgot uh, uh, who I was. Remember, I had my twin sisters, Betty's the angel and Barbara's the saint. You bet you, Harold. I would not forget our yeah. friend Harold. Yeah, well, they just turned 58. You did? They did last oh, week. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah. Well, they're just young whippersnappers. Yeah, they are. And I'm just a brother in the middle. All right. There I'm you no go. Angel no oh, saint, you're a middle sure. brother. That's interesting because, you know, they say about middle brothers are usually stable, <laughs> stable yeah. and quiet, steady as she goes, kind of Shoot. peacemakers, that sort of thing. I don't know if that. I don't know. They got red hair. <laughs> that may make it a difference. Huh? Yeah. Well, well you mentioned, uh, yeah, I had a few things on my mind about Jeremiah, but. Yeah. You went all the way back to Genesis, and I don't want to spend much time on it, but that verse from 6-3, and the Lord shall, as it says, and the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. But, you know, I'm thinking maybe through Jesus Christ, and when he came, maybe that's how it's supposed to come back. That was just a thought. Wait, wait a minute. Let me look at that. Genesis 6-3. This six, three. was during, uh, it's tracing now from Adam and Eve in the garden. It's tracing the uh, genealogy, the generations that came and followed, and how the expansion of the human race across the uh, uh, across the world, because uh, he told them, "Be fruitful and multiply, spread out around the world." And of course, they didn't do that. They were fruitful and multiplied, but they all stayed together. God intended them to spread out into different 
distinguished people groups, different languages, different customs. People that live in the mountains would be different from people that live in the desert or on the coastal areas or in the in the uh, great plains of wheat growing and so on, and would be different from the people who live in in uh, valleys where grapes and fertile valleys and so on. So, in other words, it was God's intention that there would be diversity. Uh, the people, distinct people groups in the human race, and that would serve as a uh, – what am I trying to say here, Harold? It would serve as a – it's kind of a break or serve as a kind of a mitigating uh, influence on the sin nature that had been released into the it's human race. It's making awareness, I guess. Yeah. It's, you know, like when Hitler rose up to conquer the world, well, then rose up a Stalin or rose up a Churchill and, uh, because there were different people groups. And it's not that necessarily Stalin was good. It's just that, that in the context of our earthly experience where good and evil coexist and so on, that way the whole human race would not march into uh, lockstep into evil and wickedness and and have to be judged, as God did, of course, judge them here with the, the universal flood of that era. So we see that. I want to give that background to your verse. So we're just coming to chapter 6. It's talking about... It's giving us a story of the expansion of the human race and what's going on. But they did not spread out. They did not uh, diversify as God intended into distinct social people groups, language groups. And so they fell into lockstep. Every did, everyone was evil, great human wickedness and evil, rejection of God. Upset. And God had to judge him. And that's the context, he says. Right. Uh, I, I, where is that verse? Uh Chapter my spirit, 6, yeah, verse 3. My spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will need, be no more than 120 years, which is kind of interesting as right. well. But that's that's the context. What did you want to say about that, well, chapter no, 6? No, I didn't. Uh, no, that was fine on that. I just, that, that verse is all, not always, but I've always thought that maybe that's when... God's Spirit left the earth, and we're here on our own, but that might be too deep. Uh-huh. Um, back in Jeremiah, uh, you know, when when somebody says, thus saith the Lord, you can almost get killed back then. Yeah, that's true. You know, uh, I, I didn't mean to, but I've been reading an awful lot on uh, Jeremiah 26, verse 4. Uh, do you remember that famous, um, that, um, oh, that temple sermon he did? Oh, yes, yeah, where they... Um, it's only about three verses, maybe? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. And what, well, it says, and and thou shalt... What verses are you reading? Uh, four. Uh-huh. Uh, Jeremiah 26, verse 4. And I'm reading it out of the King James because I, I, I like the heading. Sure, yeah. Where it says, a curse to all the nations. Yeah. And in some other Bibles, it says that uh, Jeremiah's escaped from death. But yeah. to me, it misses the point of why he's running away. Yeah. So God says, I want you to preach it. Go to the temple itself, stand right in front of the temple, very prominent, and say to the people, what did he tell them to say? He's, well, he said, uh, thus saith the Lord, if ye will not hearken to me to walk in my law, which I have said before you, uh-huh. to hearken to the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I have sent unto you, both raising up early in the, and sending them, but ye have not hearkened. So I had stopped reading after verse 7. and Well, then he said, if you don't repent, if you don't listen, then I will destroy this temple. 
destroy right. the house and all this. As but, I destroyed Shiloh, which was the place of the tabernacle, was la- last located up in the ten northern tribes. Yeah, right. And now I stopped at that, and I took about a four-hour nap, and I came up, and I, I don't know who's, you know, the Lord's talking to me or whatever. And I went to verse seven. I mean, verse eleven. Yeah. And that, and that verse it says then. I mean, it says, then speak, then spake the priests and the prophets unto the princes and to all the people, saying, this, this, this Jew, I mean, this yeah. man show. Well, he's probably Jewish. Yeah. Probably. Je- uh, Jeremiah, yes. Yeah. yeah. And so, let me ask you, are the nations the Gentiles then? Okay, so uh, let, let's read the rest of that. Jeremiah, uh, he says, I will destroy this temple and I will make Jerusalem an object of cursing in every nation on earth. The priests, the prophets, and all the people listened to Jeremiah as he spoke in front of the Lord's temple. Now listen to that. Isn't that interesting? It is. The, the, the religious uh, hierarchy was gathered with the people there in front, and they're hearing this this prophet. And uh, they rejected. When Jeremiah finished his message, saying everything the Lord had told him to say, the priests, the prophets, and all the people of the temple mobbed him. Kill him, they shouted. What right do you have to prophesy in the Lord's name that this temple will be destroyed like Shiloh? What do you mean saying that Jerusalem will be destroyed and left with no inhabitants? And all the people threatened him as he stood in front of the temple. When the officials of Judah heard what was happening, they rushed over from the palace, sat down at the new gate of the temple to hold court. The priests and prophets presented their accusations to the officials and to the people. This man should die, they said. You have heard with your own ears what a traitor he is, for he has prophesied against this city. Wow. You really put your finger on you know, the yes, core sir. of Jeremiah's problem and the, the, the era in which he lived. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that... I read this where it said that Jeremiah had to fight against the assumption that that God would always protect Jerusalem, and that's the stuff that Isaiah started. But I know we're out of Isaiah, yeah. and to bring it, you know, Jeremiah was uh, six to seven B.C.E., and if you would bring that to this day and time, it seems like what the people were doing in verse eleven, they started talking about the temple and the city instead of themselves. And I believe that Jeremiah and God, it was about the people and the way they were acting. Because <laughs> you know how yeah. we do, not, exactly. well, let's just say me. You know, we sometimes I might use, or we use religion to, to cover up what's really happening in our lives. So we have this pretty little walk and this and that. And as soon as uh, a Jewish guy says something, or, I mean, Jeremiah says something, um, they blame it on on a house, on a temple, and there's no God's talking about people acting up. Yes, yeah. I don't I, know if that's out of line or not. Oh no, it's not, perfectly good because I think it gives a good chance to uh, talk about what was actually going on. Uh, obviously, the people were abandoning God, the true and the truly devotion and and trusting in God and obeying God in their lifestyle and so on. And we can talk about many of the specific sins. Uh, 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 the killing of unborn children, the burning of infants, you know, sa- child sacrifice even. It was to that degree, it was terrible. Uh, yes, I remember the, what Jacob said a few weeks ago when it said the sin of uh, of the water, 
um, it was turning red. Yes. It was to remind them of their sin of all the babies they um, yeah. they uh, killed and threw in the river. The blood of the innocents. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't realize. I just thought it turned red. You know. Yeah. Uh, red. It turned to blood. Actually. I can't, I can't wait till he but... gets back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I miss him too. I really do. Uh, yeah. Well, everybody needs a vacation. I had. Yeah. He off, needs to get a little rest. Comp, and, that was a little different. He keeps his nose to the grind pretty much here in the city, and of course here with the program. So I right. I don't begrudge him at all. A little time to rest and. Uh, no, he a, needs probably a month you know. off. I mean. I know I did. I won't give him a month. But you anyway. won't give him a month. <laughs> don't pay him either. <laughs> anyway, there you go. Well, we don't pay him anyway. But anyway, he. Uh, but I, I agree. Uh, there, and, and I think you put your finger on something about Jeremiah that's important, and and that is, you can see it was an incredibly difficult, chaotic, rebellious time. And, and what happened here is you see the people of Israel using religion as a. Uh, a crutch using religion, using the temple, for example, as a good luck charm. There In other words, that's really, like they, they come. It was not a genuine faith anymore. It had become a superstition, and God is not going to destroy the in Jerusalem because the temple is here. That's what you see in chapter four, verse four. Chapter 4, verse 4, the people of Judah uh, proclaimed that God would spare them because of the presence of the temple. And so they were using kind of the the setting, uh, the the accoutrements of faith, the temple and this priesthood and sort of this those things that oh, God would never judge us because we've got the temple. And, of course, Jer- Jeremiah was telling them clear out, straight out, that God was going to destroy that temple and they were going to be taken out of the land. And yeah. uh, wow, they just didn't believe him. And yet what he told them tragically in extreme agony and pain, what he told them came true. And they they went through. I think he fled almost, to Egypt. They oh yeah, he he, he didn't flee. He was they, he mean, was kidnapped. Like and they, then he, somebody rescued him. Yeah, and he fled to Egypt, never to be seen. Again. No, he That's didn't flee flee to Egypt. He was kidnapped. Remember, kidnapped. Oh, okay. He was taken by a so group of uh, of the people who were fleeing, fleeing, and they kidnapped him and took him with him. And we don't hear any more from Jeremiah uh-huh. from down there. Uh-huh. He did do some prophetic work there. He against prophesied against Egypt and. And uh, it said some things to the women of Israel, which is all very interesting as well in the context of today's world, since uh, feminism and the women of the those of the female persuasion have come into quite prominence in our culture and in society in these times. Well, God uh, addresses, and Jer- Jeremiah actually addressed the women of Israel, and uh, and we hear their response in his book as well. Yeah, Harold, I really appreciate your call because you put sure. your finger on. A couple of things that make the book of Jeremiah so interesting to us today because uh, the times he lived in were certainly not unlike and very similar in many ways. To I hope what Austin's we out there because he really says some real good things. Uh, you know, I, yeah, Austin, I get so nervous right. if I call after him. He's so good at it. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, thanks for calling in, pal. I really appreciate hearing from you. Oh, sure. And yeah. I'll be ready next week. All right. We'll Thank see you. you on Labor Day weekend then. For there that you matter. go. Thank All you very right. much. God bless. Well, Harold calling in and sharing an insight or a thought that he's had about uh, about God's Word, about the Scriptures, and about the context here of the book of Jeremiah. That There's no doubt about it. This was a remarkable prophet. He had incredible courage. and and uh, And yet, from the world's point of view, Jeremiah was a failure. You know, we we think of people who are successes. Uh, we you know, in our we admire success in our culture, and uh, most definitions of success. And oh, we we refer to 
achieving goals to acquiring wealth, getting rich. And, you know, we have Donald Trump who is running for president, and, you know, he's, and his main, uh, his main presentation, his main uh, strength is that, Hey, I'm rich. I got rich. And, and of course that does signify probably some skill and some ability, but we think of success as that achieving goals, getting rich, uh, having great prestige, maybe you become well-known through athletics or music, you've come to prominence and fame, uh, you, through a, a favor, through power that people have, uh, different levels of power. Successful people enjoy the good life, the being financially, emotionally secure, uh, surrounded by admirers, enjoying the fruits of their labors. Uh, they are leaders, opinion makers. They set trends of fashion and music and People want to look like them and dress like them and wear their hair like them and so on. Uh, Hollywood actors and actresses and athletes and so on, musicians. Uh, and their example is emulated across the society and the culture. And their accomplishments are noticed and, and rewarded. Uh, they know who they are, where they're going. They seem to have a great confidence, and they stride confidently to meet their goals. Well, if 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 we think of those as characteristics of success, uh, by those standards, Jeremiah is a total failure. For 40 years, he served as God's spokesman to eat to Judah. And uh, he, but when he spoke, <laughs> nobody listened. Uh, consistently, passionately, Jeremiah urged the people to act, but nobody moved. Nobody responded. He certainly uh, did not attain material excess. He was poor. Uh, he underwent severe deprivation uh, in order to even deliver his prophecies. Uh, he was thrown into prison in chapter 37. He was he was lowered down into a well, into a cistern in chapter 38. He was taken to Egypt against his will, kidnapped and taken. He was rejected by his neighbors in chapter 11, by his family in chapter 12. False prophets and teachers, we just read about uh, the religious establishment even turned against him and spoke against him and, and derided him and condemned him for, for delivering the message of God, the message of warning uh, to the people of, of um, Judah. Uh, his friends deserted him. His audience left him. Uh, the kings, those in power, uh, were threatened by him and, and, and punished him. Throughout his life, Jeremiah had to stand alone. And I don't know how many times in your life experience, how many times have you had to do that? We None of us like to do that. We like to, uh, we like to be liked. We like to be admired. We like to have friends around us and support people who believe in us. Uh, I do. I know that you do as well. But Jeremiah had to stand alone, declaring God's messages of, of doom and judgment, announcing the new covenant, weeping over the fate of his beloved country. Uh, in the eyes of the world, without a doubt, Jeremiah was not a success. But in God's eyes, which is what really counts, what is most important, how would we rate him? Let's go and visit with, who is it on the line with me now? Mike. Oh, Mike. Mike is calling in. Good. Hi, Mike. How are you this evening? Uh, hi, Sophie. Good to hear from you. Hi, hi sir. Thank you, sir. Um, I, I heard you say that... Um 
Jeremiah started his ministry in uh, 621 or 625? Somewhere 627, I think it says in this commentary. Somewhere in that era, during the reign of a uh, very special king of, of uh, Judah. Oh. I think you know his name. Yeah, I, I looked it up. Thank you for telling Hosea. That was uh, Josiah. Yes, Josiah. exactly right. Look at you speaking the Hebrew there. That's pretty good. <laughs> Josiah was his name, that young child king. Came to the throne when when he was only how how many years old was he? Eight. Eight years of age, and uh, during his teenage years, he led a great revival uh, across the uh, nation. A very very interesting individual, and because of his devotion to the scriptures, he read the scriptures himself aloud to the people, and then he had the scriptures read. He read them aloud himself, and they they touched him deeply and caused him to weep, and then he had the scriptures read to the people. And because of that, his devotion to the scriptures, uh, Jeremiah was really uh, part of the inspiration for the Bible Live radio program, that reading God's word to the people, taking the scriptures to to the people themselves, letting people have the chance to actually hear God's word. And so that was a great inspiration to us. But you're right. It was uh, somewhere around, uh, did, did you have a, a kind of a correction or a different no, perspective I, I just, there of uh, the date? I was thinking... Um and to try to put this in perspective, um, Samaria fell in 721 to the Assyrians. Yes, 721, 722. Uh-huh. And then Jerusalem fell in 586 to Babylon. Right. So if he started in 627, he was an old man when Jerusalem fell. Yes, he was. Yes, so, he so was. this was one of his last... Was, he, was his uh, scribe uh, Barak? Baruch. Baruch. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Baruch was serving him. Let's come back to that and talk okay. a little bit further when we come back from the break. All right, Michael? Okay, sir. 340-9585. You can give us a call. 340-9585. Just stay put. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. We are back, the final half hour of the Bible Live Quiz Show. I wonder if you recognize where that song, the lyrics of that song come from uh, in the scriptures. Uh, what great book of the Bible that uh, that concept is mentioned so prominently. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We we quote that verse a lot in uh, well, different settings, uh, often in time of loss, grief, uh, the loss of a loved one in time of death. Uh, I wonder if anyone knows that that came from the book of Job, um, that that uh, that song and that, that particular teaching, that particular truth. Well, there's a lot of things about the Bible. We're trying to learn about this great book. We're asking you questions tonight. I've got a number of questions out on the airwaves already for you. And so uh, Michael has called it. We were just visiting before the break. Let's uh, go back and uh, visit. I, I think I forgot what you were fixing to bring up, Mike, about uh the passage there in Jeremiah or something? What was it you were going to mention? Are you still with us there, Mike? Let's see if I can. Oh, I have to hit the button. It helps when I hit the right button, Michael. Good to have you back on the line with me. Oh, thank you, Sophie. What were you going to mention there, uh, 
Well, um, just the age of uh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah. And, well, um, after Jerusalem did fall, the Babylonians treated him real well. Yeah. Um, the um, caretaker Babylonian said, uh, well, Jeremiah, um, the land is before you. You can come with us or you can stay. So he chose to stay. And then uh, uh, with the remnant there in the land, yeah. um, they plotted to kill, two men plotted to kill the governor, the Babylonian governor, and they did. Yeah, the man and, that, uh, what was his name? The man that the Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, appointed him to be the governor of the Gerlis, nation. Or, and, and he was actually in the lineage, in the, in the uh, lineage of the kings. Uh, I forgot, uh, what was his name? I'll, I'll remember in a moment. But they killed him. You're exactly right. They murdered him. And then they took and kidnapped Jeremiah and forced him to go with them down into Egypt. I, I'm trying to look for the name of that person. but I, I, I can't hear you very good. So oh, oh, I'm sorry. I kind of wandered away from the microphone. I was looking in my Bible here for the name of that. Uh, what was his name? Gerolias? Something like that. Yes. I, and, and they killed him. They murdered him. And, and, uh, well, and, well, and of course, that brought didn't bring any favor from uh, from Nebuchadnezzar either. That caused them to even be more uh, uh, hard on the people of Israel. But anyway, what were you going to mention? Well, it's that the people were terrified afterwards, and yeah. although they had nothing to do with it, and they asked Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah, tell us what to do. And he said, well, let me pray on it. And he did. And he came back to him and he said, um, stay here in the land. Um, it'll explain to... Um, King Nebuchadnezzar's uh -huh. uh, governors, um, what happened, and it will, it will go well with you. And then the people said, um, uh, the Israeli people said, well, whatever you say, Jeremiah, we'll do whatever you say. And so when Jeremiah said, stay here in the land, they said, no way, we're going to Egypt, you're coming with us. And they they kidnapped him to Egypt, and so they didn't even listen to him. No. I mean... It's just the way we are today. It's, yeah, we're 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 caught in this warp of of disobedience, and and I keep waiting for the people of God. I keep waiting for the church to rise. Those who love and are devoted to uh, God and the God of the Bible and to the Messiah, to to uh, the Savior. Uh, I mean, it's not like we're without precedent. We know. We've known God's presence, presence as a nation. We've known his the blessings, his protection. And yet, for some reason, starting back in the 60s, uh, there was this there's insistent, constant uh, drumbeat of rebellion, turning away from God, rejecting God, rejecting his truth, rejecting his commands. And we've just gone from... from uh, from worse to worse, things are looking so bleak. And, of course, most of us who lived back in the that era, we saw it coming, and people did announce it and say, you know, if this keeps going, if this gains a foothold in our nation, if this becomes the uh, the new track and direction of our nation, we're going to – it's going to be disastrous. And, and it has done just that. And even though all of the economic, all of the uh, technological advances and so on – Still, though, uh, Michael, I agree. We're, we're just—I don't know—we seem to be caught in this. Uh, we, we we seem to be paralyzed and 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 incapable 
of rising up and throwing off the uh, shackles of of sin and rebellion against God, and and we're ashamed almost to acknowledge the true and living God. We you know we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or or you know I don't know. It's it's such a strange setting that we're living in, and yet. It's beautifully described, every aspect of it. We see it at work here in the people of Israel, particularly, I would say, particularly in the time of Isaiah and maybe even more so in the time of Jeremiah, because Jeremiah brings it right up to the time of disaster, right up to 586 B.C. in this 13-month siege that Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians lay this 13-month siege where people are starved to death. They're even driven to eat their own children. I mean, this incredibly painful and and just inc- unbelievable suffering and death and, 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 and chaos that resulted from their refusal to, to obey uh, the warnings and to turn from their sin. I, it's just amazing to me. I did want to mention this, Michael, if you don't mind, maybe you have something else in mind as well. But I forgot what passage we were reading with Harold a while ago, and there were some of the. It wasn't. There were some of the religious leaders who defended Jeremiah, who stepped up and said, "You know, he's speaking in the name of the God of God Himself and and the message of the Lord, and and we should pay attention to him. He certainly doesn't deserve death by any stretch." And uh, so there are some of them who stand up for him, and they even quote another. Uh, a prophet who predicted doom and judgment on them if they didn't turn away from their sin. So um, there, it wasn't wholesale. It wasn't like every in, every person. There was probably a good remnant uh, that was still trying to follow the Lord. And and I think today, that's what I say today, I think there is a remnant in our country. But I don't know wh- when and how uh, we will stand up. Wh- when will we stand and, and make our voice is heard, and I, I don't know. I'm I'm really confused about it. I don't know if it's the purposes of God. If we've passed the point of no return, and God's judgment is certain for the uh, for the millions of dead children, the innocent blood that we've shed, uh, the the abortions, and and all the other sins that we could add to the list uh, that we're going toward in a, as a culture, it, I, it has me a little confused. But I I do not confused to the extent that. What confuses me is why don't we? We have a chance to change this. We have a chance to turn this around, but we don't seem to be willing. There doesn't seem to be the. Maybe there aren't that many believers here in the culture. I don't know. Maybe you have a thought about that. <laughs> the only thing I can do is agree with the, the caller a few weeks ago that thanked you for speaking out on your program. Uh, things about our government, yeah, and government the, leaders. You know, yeah, the only I remember other that. thought I had is um, that God allows the wheat and the tares to grow together. Yeah, and in the end, He's going to sort it all out. He'll sort it out. All um, right. Mm-hmm. right. Getting back to Jeremiah, he even bought a property outside the walls to prove that uh, we're we're coming back. We're, <laughs> we're going to be restored yeah. again. And um, when he went out to see it. To see his property, um, um, a wall guard arrested him. Said you're abandoning, you're you're a traitor, you're, you're going to the Babylonians, uh, defecting on your people, 
and I, I think he was thrown into a well, and yeah, someone someone pulled him out. You remember that fellow that pulled him out of the well? Uh yes, I do. I, I it's a very prominent. We haven't come to that in our reading yet, but yeah, he. Uh, there's some fellow who, uh, yeah, like I say, there is a remnant of believers who are willing to. They respect him enough in his ministry that they know that it's not right to. Um, to torture and to arrest and kill the prophets of God. I, I, I do remember, I, maybe I can find his name. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, paging through my Bible now. We're not there yet. We just read through chapter uh, 13 this week, but I'll find it in a moment. Well, um, I can wait till next week. Oh, yeah, you can wait, can't yeah. you? But, uh, yeah, you're right. Some guy comes out and, uh, and rescues him. Yeah, he, isn't Jeremiah the one who preaches, he gives his message and, uh, he and the and the king actually orders him to send his message. So he sends a copy of his message to the king, and Baruch reads his sermon to the king. And every time he finishes a page, the king tears up that page of his sermon. Isn't that interesting? That the, the, sit there right in the tearing up the message of God, and that's uh, oh yeah. <laughs> it, we I used to read those pages, Michael, when I was a kid. And I used to think, wow, those the people of Israel, they just, wow, how could they possibly do that? They they had all these blessings from God and all of this, uh, the, the God that exposed him and revealed himself to them. And and they turned away. How could they possibly do that? I just I was I was really flummoxed. I was really totally, absolutely confused by it. It could not even it was almost unbelievable to me. And now that we are living it, all of a sudden, these passages from the Hebrew scriptures there. They take on a whole new perspective in life because now I see how easy it is. Uh, you, you know, you miss one generation or just a generation or two in 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 the commitment to the God of the Scriptures and to the gospel and to the good news and redemption. You just miss a generation, and boy, you're you're out in left field all of a sudden. You know, so uh, I can see now a little bit more clearly how it can happen because of the times that we're living. You're so nice to call in, Michael. Always good to hear from you. I hope you and the family oh, I, are well. I enjoy you and um, and your program. Thanks, pal. just out of this world. Well, you guys are a part of it, and we really yes, appreciate it. Yes, I am, yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. You, pal. I picked a good one. You got it. Well, we'll talk to you later then. Okay, good to hear from okay, you, Michael. So we... Oh, gosh, it's so good to hear from Michael and uh, uh, his sweet wife and uh, their family. And all of you, give us a call if you like. We've got a few minutes left. If you'd like to call in and talk about Jeremiah and the passage and the, the message of the Scriptures and the, even the times we live in, we've been talking about lately how we'd like to uh, make uh, clear the the application of the, how the Scriptures apply to these times in which we live. You know, sometimes we read the Bible and it seems like this old book from, I don't know, how many thousands of years ago, and all, and we wonder... What relevance could it possibly have to life in the 21st century? And and yet, human nature has not changed that awful much. And that we are still uh, the the primary thing that's going on in life. I mean, I know we have iPhones and we have the internet and we have lasers and we have all kinds of you know scientifically and technologically we have advanced greatly. I think the people of uh, Jeremiah's era, they would just, (laughs) can you imagine how astonished they would be at the times that we live in and the advances that we enjoy in so many uh, areas, so many uh, aspects of life, medical and and so on. Um, 
but still human nature, that tendency to selfishness and sin, that rebellion against God, that, that wanting to do what we want, when we want it, how we want it, and not a willingness, not seeking after the true and living God and not humbling ourselves before him. That doesn't seem to have changed, and we are finding ourselves in a great deal of problems and difficulty as a nation. And, of course, the message of Jeremiah really does become important and prominent, calling us to repent, to turn away from our sin, uh, and to turn back to God. It makes me wonder, it makes me wonder to some degree what in the world, have you ever thought about this? What if Jeremiah and Isaiah, what if they lived in an era in the time of democracy? What if their kings and their leaders were elected and their judges, and, and the people really had the ultimate say in who was going to lead the nation. I wonder if it would have been made any difference. They, they of course, did not live in that kind of a setting. Uh, now, there was something I don't think a king probably could have ruled entirely and totally against the wishes of the the overwhelming majority of the people. There would be some way of dealing, maybe in an assassination or something. Uh, so there, there, there was some say, there was some influence over their leaders and who their leaders would be. But it wasn't like uh, in the time of uh, representative democracy like we live in. And you wonder now, I often wondered about the Old Testament, even in the times of Jesus, in the in the first century of the Roman Empire. What, what would have been different if the gospel had come in an era, in a time of... Uh, of democracy, of representative republics, and people voted their leader. I, I wonder what kind of things, what kind of admonitions, what kind of commands, instructions, that uh, if they would have been any different, would Jesus have given us even better, different thoughts and commands, or would the disciples have laid down some different principles that we should follow? Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe not. I, I'm, I'm supposing that probably not. But you do sometimes wonder, we have this un, unbelievable, remarkable power as the people of God that we get to participate in the election, in the uh, appointment of our leaders, of the leaders of our nation. Now, we don't have this, we have, don't have total power, but there, I would think, I'm hoping and praying that there are enough true believers, enough true followers of the the God of the Bible and of Jesus, the Messiah, those who are truly interested and mature in him and wanting to obey his commands and uh, the principles that he lays out in his word. I just truly would hope there'd be enough of us that if we would just uh, get off of our doofuses and, and get onto the pole and get an elect, and, and be involved in the process. Now, I'm not saying politics and elections are the solution. Changed hearts and changed minds and men and women repenting and turning to Christ and becoming uh, born again and having their life transformed uh, by the true and living God. That's ultimately the solution. But in terms of our culture and society, if God's people would be the salt and light that we've been commanded to be, uh, it somehow thinks that we could re- preserve and keep the nation from some tremendous suffering and judgment uh, and turn back from great, great wickedness. It seems like to me, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just see. Are we, are there enough of us to do that? Do we have the will? Do we have the courage to turn and to repent ourselves? Remember what, if my people we're told in, uh, in, uh, the scriptures, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will, 
uh, I will hear their prayers, will heal, forgive their sins, and heal their land. What a wonderful promise. Let's go back, uh, visit once more. Harold is calling back. Just didn't get it all said, huh? Well, I did get it said, and I I left the show so happy and everything, and I was (laughs) backing up the Bible just a little bit, you know, the verses there. And I oh, what, was that? what was that? What was that? What was that chapter? Excuse me, Harold. What oh, was that you I referred to? I went back to Jeremiah eight, was chapter eight? four, okay. just one verse. And I really didn't want to see this verse because I used to have to use this in the mornings some years back when I was going through a hellacious time. Uh-huh. And and all it says is J- Jeremiah say this is what the Lord says: When people fall down, don't they get up again? When they discover they're on the wrong road, don't they turn back? I didn't read the rest of it because, um, you know, you always have the good with the bad. you got some bad stuff going on, and then here comes some good stuff. True, and true. It's There's always that mix, yeah. And, you know, I'm here, in, not, not in too much tears, but it just reminded me of a terrible time, and I'm thinking about the good things that are happening now. And I just wanted to share that with you. Yes. What what was that chapter that you were in earlier in your first 26, call? 26? 26, verse 4 through 7. Did you hear what I said about, uh, let me see what I can find. Yes, here. I did. That Look further down, and it says that there were some, um, oh, I got in the wrong Some chapter. other people came to his aid. Yeah, they, they, and they were some of the religious leaders. So that kind of encouraged me that it wasn't universal. It wasn't everybody. Uh, there were some who still stood up for him and tried to protect him. And like Michael pointed out, there was uh, someone who came and, and rescued him from when he was thrown into that well down into that cistern. Right. Uh, and so there were people there willing to move, but evidently not enough uh, were willing. I don't know when you reach that critical mass of people, how many is enough to bring about God's forgiveness and his blessing. But um, right. evidently we haven't reached it yet. Well, I appreciate you yeah. uh, taking my uh, my call again. Sometimes, no problem, you know, it's just you and the Lord, Amen. or me and the Lord. That's right. And sometimes it's just that way. We're glad. Yeah, that's true. I'm glad, glad to hear from you. Me. Always glad to hear from you. Good to hear from Harold. Uh, let's go back. Let me answer some of these questions that we have out on the airwaves. Maybe you've been listening and you're wondering what was the answer to that question. Jesus quoted Psalm 110. Verse 1, if you look in Matthew chapter 22, this was really a remarkable moment in the life of Jesus. He uh, this he uses this passage in Psalm 110 to establish his deity. Interesting. Uh, now, now, remember, Jesus, the eternal Son of God, did not take on flesh and, and uh, go through the Incarnation in order to come to planet Earth to prove to us that he was God. That was not the purpose for which Messiah came to planet Earth. Messiah came to the planet Earth to carry out a work of redemption, a work of salvation, to be the substitutionary atonement for our sins. And in order to do that, in order to be our atoning representative, he had to walk under the yoke of faith and trust and obedience and submission as a man to the will of God the Father. And so uh, he did not come to prove he was God. Uh, and so most of Jesus' time was met, was spent carrying out the messianic uh, prophecies, fulfilling them, and carrying out walking, carrying out that task of being a man totally and fully and 100% a human being, a human male, 
walking under the the yoke of faith and trust and submission, total dependence on the Father. So he had to voluntarily leave off the free exercise of his prerogative, his initiative, his authority as God, which he had. He never ceased being God. But in order to be our representative, he had to walk under the yoke of faith and, and obedience, submission. And so what uh, Satan was trying to do in the temptations was trying to get Jesus to act of his own strength, of his own initiative and prerogative as God, independent of the Father, which would not have been sin. He has that right as the eternal, co-equal Son of God. But he he stayed under the yoke of faith and trust and obedience to be our Redeemer, the perfect man, the, the last Adam, he is called. But that being said, Jesus did take this moment in the last week of his life. He's in Jerusalem, and he quotes Psalm 110 to demonstrate to the the religious leaders of the time that even in his even in his uh, position, even in his um, oh, uh, status as the Messiah, he did not cease being God, and he uses this passage to establish the deity of the Messiah, that the Messiah was not only the perfect man, the, uh, the, the, the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world, but he was also God incarnate. And he uses that passage where David says, the Lord said to my Lord, speaking of the Messiah, David refers to him as his Lord, which would be totally out of character. Uh, and, and, and Jesus knew that, and of course, he uses that in that passage, Psalm 110. So he applies Psalm 110 to him himself, his own life as Messiah. Psalm 112, there's 15 advantages or blessings that come to those who fear God. Uh, you can read those. I, I won't have a chance to go through all of those, but Psalm 112. Now, nine times in the Old Testament, God is said to have a familial relationship with his people. Three times in the book of Isaiah, God is said to be our what? And the the word I'm looking for is he is said to be our father. Now, we are very familiar with that now. It was Messiah himself who brought that to be more of a common understanding, uh, uh, you know, of uh, one of the names of God and the titles of God. And, of course, these names and titles don't limit God, don't don't exhaustively describe him, but they give us some idea of God's nature, particularly now the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I believe that these titles are used because they bring out essential truths about God, particularly in light of the redemptive plan of God. Uh, And so we see nine times. In the Old Testament, though, it is not unheard of that God is being referred to as the father of his people. Uh, nine times it is mentioned, and of course it's Jesus himself who brings that expression, that terminology to prominence. Isaiah 65 says, people who never before inquired about me are now asking about me uh, in the book of Isaiah, and uh, this would refer, we think, to Gentiles, the people who are outside of the 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 people of the revelation. God uses Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants as instruments of revelation of himself. They were to faithfully represent his message and his and life lived with the true and living God. And he said, people who are not of, of that nation, they are now hearing and asking about me. And so we're talking about Gentiles. Now, when God called Jeremiah, he was a youth. He used his youth as an excuse not to obey God's call. Uh, God says he's the living water, and the people of Israel made two mistakes. 
They abandoned the living water, and they tried to dig cisterns that were not any good. See you next week, folks. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.